0: And I closely watched him I thought how he looked out of place He came to the woman Who sat there beside me He had a strange look on his face His big hands were calloused He looked like a mountain For a minute I thought I was dead But he started shaking His big heart was breaking He turned to the woman. Ghoulish greetings, my phantom friends. Thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowler's podcast part of your morning, day, evening, twilight, whenever you listen, and wherever you're listening from, from tiny village to big city. It is absolutely appreciated. Those tunes that just graced your ears are, of course, courtesy of the lovely Bobby Mackey, and as always, I am your host, Tessa Morrow. trip back in 2016 to Arizona, let's just say it was more than a memorable trip. That's the year I got my attachment with Red Sample, my first trip to Tombstone, which was obviously amazing. I got to spend some much-needed time with family and friends in Tucson, Cottonwood, Sedona, and Jerome. Now you already heard about my Jerome investigations and past episodes like Sheila's Copper Penny and Jerome Grand Hotel. And I actually had the pleasure to go back to Jerome a couple of months ago when I went to go visit my mom's best friend, Joan, who I consider a very dear friend of mine as well. We, of course, had to go to have a drink at the Spirit Room at the Hotel Connor, which is very haunted, by the way. And We had drinks and delicious burgers at the Haunted Hamburger, also haunted. And, like, literally you cannot miss this building. They have life-size skeletons crawling all over it. So that's my kind of place. Certified badass. But that was in 2023. Let's venture back to 2016. Same location, different year. We are here at the spirit room having a drink. Loud music is going through the air. People, they're happy. They're dancing. They're singing. They're going along with the vibe, the tune. Everyone is in rather good spirits. The place is absolutely packed. And while at the bar, my mom and Joan run into a gentleman. And after a few minutes of talking with him, they know that they have to introduce me to him. So I will refer to him as Mike. He was a very friendly and outgoing man. While Joan decided to stay at the spirit room to listen to music because it was her friend's band, my mom and I, we accept Mike's offer of taking us around some of the local haunts that Jerome has to offer. Not wanting to leave the music ourselves, we wait until there's a break in the band, which is about five, six more songs. And then we go outside and we walk around with Mike. And as we stand outside of the Hotel Connor, looking back at the spirit room, Mike begins to talk a little bit about some of the history. He's telling us that the spirit room actually burned down not once, my friends, but twice. Like, that's horrible. He shares with us that David Connor was the first business to actually have insurance in Jerome, so that's pretty neat. He takes us over to an old building that once served as a jail. This was mostly used for the prostitutes who would be locked up if things just got out of hand. And When we went to Jerome that day, I expected food and drinks, but I certainly didn't expect our own private tour with a seasoned guide. It was phenomenal. I love when things like that happen. It's like, what a pleasant surprise, you know? So just a minute or two of walking, we found ourselves in Jerome's former red light district. Mike shares with us that a short time before he moved there to Jerome, that there was a man who was on the sole mission to tear down as many historical buildings as he could. One may ask, why the bloody hell would somebody go out of their way to do such a thing? It should be a crime. And I'll tell you why. Prostitution, my friends. It turns out that this man's family, specifically his father and grandfather, well, these two gentlemen, they had associations and connections with the prostitution industry. Sorry, but tearing down historical buildings, which unfortunately he was successful in doing, is not going to erase the history or the past. Just because it's not there anymore doesn't mean that it did not happen. It's a crying shame when historical buildings are no longer around. You know, sometimes they fall victim to the weather elements, or when Mother Nature throws a curveball their way, like earthquakes, hurricanes, tsunamis, floods, what have you. Sometimes there's nothing that you can do about it, right? And it's still a crying shame, obviously. But what's really horrible is when it's human-related. I don't know. How many buildings were destroyed and leveled because of the specific individual? Mike did not get into that. In his words, though, quote, we lost a whole bunch of historic buildings, unquote. But let's be honest, even one is too many, right? So we are now standing in front of a building that used to be the historic ladies' jail. It served as a holding tank, a chill-out chamber for the ladies who would get rather violent and unruly. Not just the ladies in the cribs, but the streetwalkers as well. My friend, at the time, new friend, shares a little history with my mom and I. If you're up on Main Street, that's the Hotel Connor. And when we were in the spirit room, we were in the part of David Connor's building. The bar used to be a cafe. The other three places... He had his own bar, a billiard, hall, and his own gambling parlor, which was mostly card playing back then. The hotel up above there used to be a building that was built right up against it. I remember seeing the doorway. There was a plaque commemorating the doorway, and it was called Husband's Alley because it was a secret passageway. It looks like a lawyer's office or somebody's business. Men, they would come to the door, go down the hall, down a flight of stairs, and they would be right here in the midst of the cribs, which was mid-range prostitution because the family, uh, my friends, meaning the father and grandfather of the man who tore down the buildings, the family would rent these rooms out. Otherwise, we have the streetwalkers who would do it in the bushes. Generally, women claim their space, and the streetwalkers would do it in the bushes or in the shacks. On all the doors we see here, there were private rooms for the high-class places. See, they couldn't be on Main Street. This was one of Belgium Jenny's daughter's places. One of four locations she had here in Jerome. Why four? Mm, all those fires you just rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. And if you have the money, you can relocate, kick out the person that used to be there. So we continue to stand in front of the jail, and he just talks to us about the history. And it's a beautiful day. The streets of Jerome are busy. They're packed with people, tourists and locals alike walking about. And suddenly, Mike, he grabs a small object from his pocket, and he opens up his hand, and he reveals a key to us. He smiles and says, I have a key to the historic ladies' jail. During this time, I have been recording our conversation because at the time I was writing my very first book, and when he mentions a key, my recorder captures unexplained static. Now, mind you, that is the only thing I have on me at the time is my recorder. I don't have any other type of equipment or tool that would make sounds, so unaware of what the static would be coming from. And he begins to talk a little bit about the paranormal activity that is connected here to the ladies' jail that once held the prostitutes, the soiled doves of Jerome, if you will. And he shares with us that many people have caught orbs via photo here. He admits that there have been more than one time that a spirit had actually followed him home, and he told us this. When that happens, I have to sage my house and do some talking to the spirits. With illness, you know, because that's why they hang around hospitals so much, when the elements are in a weakened state, drunk or a drug addict, that's when their defenses, their aura, is diminished. And it's easy for a tag along. At any rate, so we have the street walkers, the mid-range, ladies in the cribs, and also Jenny's Place and the brothel's. The evening's entertainment could go on for several hours, more like the great date situation, rather than rapid turnover. It cost more to be there, and the madams would distribute the workload, there for the pay. So there wasn't really any competition amongst the ladies in the brothels because you had someone in charge that understood the business. Meanwhile, the ladies in the cribs and the ladies on the streets, they were in major competition for the working class man. So they'd be more prone to violence and or drug use, alcoholism, because there was no manager. That's why there was a police, well, sheriffs, back then it was the sheriffs, down here was a sheriff's substation. It wasn't the deputy's job. This was entry level, or if you're into the merit. I mean breakups and horse fighting. There was no siding, no tickets, no charge and no jury. They just wanted to keep this business off of Main Street. So the ladies would be locked up for a day or two. They'd be fined $5 or $10. That was four or five times higher than any other jail in town. As Mike continues to talk about this, static once again pours through the recorder. And a few moments earlier, my mom, she had a phone call and it was a business call. So she had to walk away to take that. Well, she comes back and she points out how tiny the rooms were. And I let her know that it was just for one thing, for the prostitutes and their clients or johns or whatever you want to call them. Right after I'm done telling my mom this, I get an EVP of a woman whispering serious. Mike continues to share more information. Mid-level prostitutes would get in fights. They would just lock them up for a day or a day and a night. They pay a few bucks. And then they release the women and they get back to work. They didn't want them to clog the courts and walk these ladies across Main Street to a judge and then back across Main Street to the jail. Mike unlocks the old jail and as we walk inside, my mom points out some cats to me. And again, a woman is caught on the recorder giving the CVP. Cats. My mom tells me to go on ahead that she wants to take a picture. And the same woman who just said cats is caught once again saying the words, better not. This is then followed by a burst of static. Mike walks through a rather small doorway. He looks back at my mom and I and happily says, this is the jail. I cannot contain my excitement. I am pretty stoked. I'm super excited. It's like, no way we're in here. That's awesome. Again, what a pleasant surprise. Not expecting it in the slightest. As I walk through the doorway, a disembodied whisper of a man is caught on my recorder saying what sounds like, hide the gold. This is then followed by one of those unexplained pops that I have mentioned in the past. Hide the gold. Now, Jerome, Arizona, much like Tombstone, Arizona, back in the day, was a total booming mining town. Super successful, bringing in tons of people. One mine was dubbed Little Daisy Mine, and it proved to be very profitable. In 1916 alone, Little Daisy produces over $10 million worth of gold, copper, and silver. Today, that's equivalent to $280,550,458. Oh my lanta, (laughs) that is damned impressive. So the EVP, Hide the Gold, can easily be from one of the miners. Who knows, Hide the Gold, so awesome. One of my favorite EVPs that I've ever captured, definitely on the list. As my mom and I are taking in our surroundings, Mike continues on with the history lesson. These floors are eight inches thick, and there were vehicles here and the mechanics. They would drill holes through the ceiling in a couple of places so that they can spy on the ladies. They would also get cigarettes and drop them through the holes down to the ladies. So I see a long jail cell, and I asked Mike if I could go in there. Seconds after my asking this, a man is recorded saying, Sheriff. This is again followed by unexplained static, then an unexplained pop. Mike gives me the go-ahead, and I walk into the cell. And I tell Mike that I'm hoping to capture the voice of a spirit. Well, my recorder captures yet another voice. This one is a woman, and it sounds so close as if she is standing right by my side, and she says it hurts. Mike continues on talking. This is a 1918 building, and before that, other things have been here like housing, prostitution, mechanics, what have you. So in Jerome, there could be layers of hauntings. What you see now and what you get on recording may not be associated with this particular jail. Static is recorded, and this goes on for quite a few seconds, and for almost the entire time that static is taking place, a woman is caught on recording, breathing and moaning very loudly. I begin to take pictures of the area and a woman is caught on recorder, perhaps the woman who was moaning, saying what sounds like should get out. This is followed by a loud pop sound and then by kissing sounds. Mm, okay, moaning. Hissing sounds, a warning of getting out. Maybe it's not such a warning, but more like a, hey, I'm conducting business, hit the bricks kind of thing. This was for prostitutes, remember, so that wouldn't be surprising in the slightest. Comical, but not surprising. Now, mind you, as all of this is happening, I am still standing in the jail cell. I mentioned how I know that there were a lot of prostitutes who were here at some point, and my recorder captures what sounds like a woman groaning. Followed by a whispered EVP saying, go. Mike says that he hopes that I was able to receive some EVPs. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. And right after he says this, a voice is recorded saying, you know. My mom says something and we laugh and a voice is captured saying, hurry up. And as I am thanking Mike for the tour and for taking time out of doing this, the same voice who just said, hurry up, is recorded saying, get out. A few seconds later, it's repeated, get out. So same voice, three EVPs, pretty cool. We are coming to the end of our pleasant visit to the ladies' jail. We could not be more thankful to Mike for taking time out of his day to show two complete strangers around. We have kept in touch, and actually my last visit to Jerome just several weeks earlier, I reached out to Mike and he met us for a drink. It was really neat to catch up with him for sure. I'll never forget his kindness and what he did for us. So we weren't in this building for very long at all. We were the only ones there. We had the place to ourselves with a person who had very much knowledge about this particular location. And look at the evidence that we gathered. Several EVPs by both men and women should get out. Hurry up. Get out. Clearly, somebody did not want us there. Then, the golden EVP. My favorite one come to mind. Hide the gold. Maybe the spirits wanted us out because they didn't want us to find or take their gold away from them. Not too bad at all, considering I wasn't even expecting an investigation. And just thankfully, I am a nerd and I always have my recorder on me like it's an extra limb. We went that day to enjoy some spirits at the spirit room, and we ended up at the ladies jail and got to meet a really neat person in the process. So not a bad day at all. It was quite spectacular. This week's special city shout outs go to Cheyenne, Wyoming, Clifton, Texas, Woodbridge, Canada, Popoka, Florida, and Glenroth's. Scotland, Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others. They're all phenomenal. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to fret. Seriously, no need at all. You can hit up any of those amazing podcast platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Downcast, Player FM, Basically, wherever you may roam to listen to your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcast lurking in the background. Have a story of your own to share? Maybe you want to be a future voiceover. Have you not seen your city, state, or country in an episode yet and have the idea for the perfect topic? Please, please, please feel free to reach out to me on my Paranormal Prowlers podcast Facebook page. And please do not forget, my friends, that Halloween, right around the corner, we are in October. Yes! So please, if you have something to share and you want to be part of the Halloween episode 2023 team, please reach out to me, even if it's just a minute long. You could write it down, you could record it, you could stay anonymous. I'd be happy to have you part of the team. Thanks, everyone. And...